Don't rock in the dark. Lighting elevates your band's stage presence to higher levels of professionalism and dynamic energy. Chauve DJ makes powerful entertainment lighting that sets up and tears down quickly and easily. Pack-and-go systems like 4-Bar and Gig-Bar 2 have multiple LED lights on one bar. They're easy to mount and haul with included tripods and bags. Control is easy, too. Chauvet DJ's cutting-edge Bluetooth lighting products produce amazing effects controlled right from a phone or tablet. Don't just rock. Rock the spotlight with Chauvet DJ. Learn more at ChauvetDJ.com. What's up, Marinara Milkshakes? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover musicians and mainlanders to learn how to rock more and suck less. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. Here in Greensboro, North Carolina, Dan Ray. Marinara Milkshakes. It was something I heard on it, another thing. Oh, okay. I just like the, I just like the sound of it. Yeah, fair. It was actually used as an exclamation. It was oh. like, Marinara Milkshakes. I like it. Holy Marinara Milkshakes, Batman. Okay. Something like that. It was like a Scooby-Doo kind of uh, uh, exclamation. Yeah. So yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm in. How's your week so far? My week so far. Can't complain. Um, Saturday, we played at Lucky's Burger and Tap, which is a fun little place in Ashboro, North Carolina. I said last week was about half an hour out of town. That still is true. But that's the only downside of it. It's actually a fun <laughs> little place. Um, yeah, so it's worth a drive? Yeah, it was great. Um, they got music in there five Good. nights a week. The people come out for the music. Uh it was a door deal, which I normally hate, but um, on this mm-hmm. night, which the staff said was an off night, um, we got paid like a bar gig. So a really great night there would probably be a whole, okay. whole different picture. Um, yeah. And the people who were there were a lot of fun and super into it. So um, yeah, hoping to get back Good. there. That was the place that reached out to us after we won the thing in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. So yep. um, so it was great to have them reach out and 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 eager to, to get back in. So it was very good. It's like the uh, Mitch Hedberg deal. Tonight I'm working for 50% of the door. And tomorrow night I'll be working for 50% of the door. And then on Sunday I'll have a door. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I can't <laughs> install it on my house. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What you up to? So uh, not a whole lot. Mostly work stuff. Uh, doing a lot of administrative things. There's a lot of – we got a lot of plate spinning kind of um, – you know, it's kind of one of those when it rains at poor scenarios where we just had a bunch of inquiries kind of all at once. Um, a couple of, uh, fundraisers, a couple of high school reunions and some other stuff just wrapping up the year. So all good things. Um, and then I got to play on Sunday morning with our bass player who normally doesn't do church gigs. And we got to do that gig together, which was a lot of fun. Um, (laughs) the sound guy was really into like, like hardcore and like pop punk and crab core type stuff. So we ended up doing like the worship sets, doing like all these crab core moves. Hmm. Um, and then I woke up the next day and like my ankles and stuff were all like so swollen and mad at me. So yeah, apparently I'm too old for that stuff. You are, you are so, You're barely old at all. Yeah. Well, kiss my grits. <laughs> exactly. And that's all I need to say about that. Exactly. Because we're in the South. That's right. Oh, I did forget one thing I did this weekend, which was the um, private acoustic. Um, yeah. One of my regulars at the uh, live music trivia game that I do um, hired me to play the trivia game at her friend's 40th birthday party. And um, on her back porch, on a lake, I shared a picture of it. You probably saw. Um, yeah. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. And um, when I pulled up to the place an hour and a half early to set up, 
their party bus was just pulling in the driveway. They had been bar hopping <laughs> all afternoon. And, um, Hi-o. and I watched a couple who I didn't know get out of the par- party bus, each of them carrying one end of a wine barrel. Like a, they, they had bought a wine barrel from one of the bars that they had hopped and then rolled it for the rest of the bar crawl and wrestled it onto the party bus and then wrestled it back off. And as I came to the house, they were wrestling it into the back of their car and cursing each other drunkenly, uh, which gave me of a course. good hint about how the <laughs> event was going to go. They were very into it. And it was a whole lot of fun and they were quite well lubricated by the time I got there. So, um, fantastic. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was a good payday and it was a lot of so, fun and, you know, worked out. Yeah. So, so in your neck of the woods, what did, what did a, a private event like that run you? I made 300 bucks for that. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice yeah. work if you can get it. Yeah, for sure. For two hours of, um, you know, and it's not, it wasn't just acoustic. It was the, it was the trivia, which takes a whole other kind of level of interaction and yep. um, engagement and that kind of thing. It wasn't wallpaper music at yep. all. I would like, I was the show. Um, and, uh, and Sarah, the regular who hired me, who is super competitive and wins about, two thirds of the time she comes to it. Um, she recused herself. She was my scorekeeper. She was my Vanna and my backup <laughs> singer. She had a toy microphone that she sang into along with me the whole time. Uh, badly. Nice. And no badly. Of course. And uh, a couple of times she turned and sang sort of at my face, like we were singing together. And she would, every time she did that, yeah. she'd throw me off key. Like I would lose because she was somewhere <laughs> in some, you know, jazz space, not, not the, you know, harmonic paradigm it. of the song we were playing. Um, but yeah, this was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was really good. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, all right. Controversial question. Oh, did you put a tip jar out? I did not. I did not. I did not. And, okay. um, I would have cleaned up if I had, I'm sure. And I, and she would have had no problem with that, but it just felt like I'm getting paid well for this. I don't, I don't need to also be, you know, if I had had merch under my own name, I'd have had that out. No problem. I would have cleaned yeah. up, would have totally cleaned up. Um, sure. But it, tip jar seemed like a little much. Okay. Totally cool. Yeah. Totally understand both sides of that one. I would have put a tip jar out. I know, but I know. And I thought, I thought hard about it. It was in my car and I almost asked her if, how she'd feel about it, but, uh, but I didn't. I've got a friend who does it the other way. He says, I put a tip jar out until somebody tells me to put it away. Well, he probably does. And that's just his default motion. Yeah. Yeah. He certainly. But like we. Has that right. It's kind of, it's, it's tricky. It's a hundred percent. It's totally tricky. Um, because sometimes it's worth it and other times it's not. You wouldn't have a tip jar out at a wedding. you, You never know. No, that's probably the only one that I wouldn't do. Corporate event? Cause like one. So we did it. We we put it out at both of the high school reunions, and one of them we made like three hundred dollars in tips, and the other one we made like three dollars in tips. <laughs> yeah, but did so, anybody you know feel like it was inappropriate that you had a tip jar out at a private event like that? I don't think so. Um, the way that I, I guess, the way that I look at it is that the client is paying for us to do that job, but if somebody who did not pay any money wants to show their appreciation for the work that we're doing, we should provide them an opportunity to do so. That really is true. I have been in occasions where I did not have a tip jar out and it was, um, somebody wanted to tip us and was, um, the, you know, kind of their feelings were hurt a little bit because we didn't have a way for them to do that, yep. you know, and they were standing there with money out looking pathetic. 
So yeah. that is a thing. That is a thing. I, I, it's it's it, 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 there's there's no right answer. That's why it was like controversial question. I just figured I'd throw it out there, uh, something to consider on both sides. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think I think either side is fair. I think what you what you did was totally reasonable, and um, but if you'd done the complete opposite, I would have agreed with you as well. Right. So, yeah. Good. It you're is. Fle- what it you're is. flexible. Yep. In other words. Of course, one hundred percent. And if and if a client walked up to me and said, uh, "Please put it that way," I'd be like, "Oh, no problem. Totally sorry about that. Yeah, not a problem. I totally at all. get it. Not a problem." Anywho, Listen, um, speaking of um, revenue opportunities, um, yes. I want to give a little update on my new shirt merch model. Yes, you're doing the pay what you want. You're pay, doing the Radiohead t-shirt. Exactly, exactly. This is the pay yeah. what you want model. And so <clears throat> what I've done to set this up, I have a little plastic um, uh, bin of shirts. And on the inside of the lid, I've taped a sign that says, Clanky Lincoln shirts, pay what you want. And it's got the QR codes for our Venmo and our PayPal, which is an idea I stole from you. Um, yep. And then at some point, once the show's cooking, um, we, we do a section we call Shameless Commerce, and um, which I stole from Car Talk. And um, so the boys all do kind of a blues thing, and Justin plays harmonica, and I go out in the crowd with the wireless mic, and I explain the deal with these shirts and how they are. Pay what you want. And if it's, you know, for you, that's a buck. Fine. It's not, not a problem. If you open your wallet and what comes out is moths, have a shirt on us. All we ask, you know, is you go wear it. And when somebody asks you about it, tell them about us. That's, you know, that's, that's your payment. Yeah. But, you know, or if for you tonight's been worth, I don't know, $10,000, feel free to pay us $10,000 yeah. for a shirt. It's completely fine. $10,000 shirt, 100%. 100% of a $10,000 shirt. Um, so here is the deal. Um, I have on that model i have moved 22 shirts at a total net revenue of 310 dollars which okay. averages to 1409 a shirt my average cost per unit and the i will say the colored ones cost a little more than the white ones um yep. the ladies models cost a little more than the unisex but it all averages out yep. to four dollars and 92 cents a shirt which gives me an average profit per unit of nine dollars and 17 cents a margin nice a gross margin of 65 percent. so in my estimation this model is working really darn well um, so have you have you broken even quite yet uh, kind of on the on the no, cusp of it, maybe? kind of on the cusp of it. I think we have okay. about of the four hundred and thirty dollars I spent on shirts and transfers, and I'm not counting the cost of the press because that is was a capital expense, as you may recall. Yes, and I'm not counting of my course. time because I'm donating my time to the effort. So just for yes. shirts and print transfers is four hundred and thirty dollars. We've recouped three ten of that and have one twenty to go. And um, so that that is what um, nine hypothetical shirts. To go before you break even? Yeah, almost 10. But yes. 10 virtual hypothetical shirts. 10, yes. Pr- yes, prospective shirts. <laughs> well, they're actual shirts. Well, that is fantastic prospective news. shirt sales. So the point is that the pay-what-you-want model um, really works, and we have sold them. For the, the, unit, the unit price we've gotten for them has ranged from zero to $50. Okay. Um, and you know, what it works out to, and I kind of say this as I'm announcing it to people, essentially you can think of it like a tip jar with a shirt kicker. Yeah. And, um, and people really, uh, enjoy it. They, you know, it's kind of self-serve, go over there and dig through it and find your size and whatever. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. I'm not monitoring it. I'm not manning yeah, you're it. Not the, I'm not doing anything about that. Yeah. Hand shirt me police. cash if you want. Use the Venmo or PayPal. That's all good. Um, 
Some venues uh, are really spendy on the shirts and some venues are really thrifty on the shirts. You know, the unit, unit, uh, sure. um, uh, revenue really varies depending on the yeah, locale based on their clientele. Totally. Yeah. And, um, but nowhere, let's see at tailgaters. I didn't sell any, but I did give one away and it was because we did that. We timed the announcement all wrong. Um, at okay. Lucky's we did six and it was an average. It wasn't just an average. Every single one of them sold for $10. Um, but at previous gigs, they went for an average of 18 bucks or 15 bucks or really depended on the, on the space. So just an interesting thing, you know, tuck that away. It's an interesting, um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, um, certainly easier to manage. Like there's no merch table to set up and handle and money to transact. Like it just, money just comes to me and it's pretty great. It's pretty great. That's great. So. You know, yeah. I've put approximately $0 into our t-shirt business and I have gotten approximately $0 out of it. Yeah. Well, there you go. So now you get a hundred percent, hundred percent return on investment. Of course. Yeah. hundred percent. One hundred. One. Well, um, yeah, that's definitely something to chew on for those of you out there. Um, and for those of you who are just kind of catching up, um, Dan opted to go the route of purchasing a heat transfer press. Yep. And, um, so Some, I'm cooking the shirts myself uh, and I make transfers. I make lots of, um, when talking about it, obviously I make a lot of breaking bad references. I'm going to go cook shirts, Jesse. Science, bitch. <laughs> Magnets. Anyway. And I do keep them in a plastic bin. So, well, there you go. There you go. It all comes full circle. My wife asked me if there's anything I well, knew about it. And I said, a big tanker truck full of mel- full of methylamine. <laughs> she had about so in other news man yeah but let's, let's been, move on to some other news oh my goodness there's been a lot going on in the uh in the whole facebook world it's true um the group has become sentient and um <laughs> uh this week apparently started eating itself yeah uh so that's been fun yeah. uh, both dan and i had to come in and, and do the whole dad thing like the, all right kids don't make us come back down here. Yep. Yeah. We should say out loud. I mean, I said it on the, on the group, but, um, we are explicitly mm-hmm. not doing event posts. We're not doing it. Yes. No spamming. And that is what we, what we would consider spam. It is. Um, and the way that I've been, cause if, if somebody does do that, can you hear my dog? I can. Chewing on her toy in the background. Is that what okay. that is? Uh, yes. She's right behind me and will not stop. Um, but now she's stopped because I'm talking about her. And now she's back to it. <laughs> anyway. Because you said she um, stopped. Yes. So what we've been trying to do is um, if somebody wants to post a video of themselves performing, that is still acceptable with the ex- with the caveat that you need to have something that creates a discussion. So if you're just posting a video of you playing at you know, Bubba's Beer Shack, and it's just, you know, a phone in the room and there's no explanation. That's probably not going to hit the level of approval. However, if you're playing at Bubba's Beer Shack and you played a unique take on a particular song and then you posted it to the group and said, hey, we tried this new arrangement of this whatever, whatever. What do you think about it? That would pass the sniff test. You know what would be even better is post your unique arrangement videos. Yeah. 
it's kind of been going all over. So, um, and, and, and again, we're not trying to be, we're not trying to be sticklers or, you know, hard on people who want to contribute to the group. Um, but what we do want is that for people who are participating in the group to actually enjoy themselves and not have to deal with a bunch of just crud in between. Um, and while the numbers are low and manageable now, um, that may change at some point and we may need to kind of change our approach. But I think right now, um, and it may just be that we keep the numbers low. Yeah, um, we be. could start, you know, turning people away. I'm not doing that right now. No, no, no. We're pretty much, and if, I, you, I, if you ask to be in, you're in, right? Yep. Come as you are. Um, the one thing I keep trying to like remind people of is that we have a freaking podcast. I think people just join the group just to like join the group. Um, I've definitely been having that conversation on Instagram a ton. I'm like, Hey, you follow us. You know, we've got this whole thing, right? And most people are like, Nope. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, there's that. (laughs) Consider listening to our whole thing. Yeah. It's a bit more uh, productive (laughs) for sure. So that being said, um, there are many channels to get in touch with us. Um, some of them as uh, personal as uh, somebody from the group who literally called me on my uh, my personal cell phone nice. um, minutes before we started working. Wow. Um, uh, there's a there's a gentleman in Atlanta named Braxton who runs a uh, a Weezer tribute named El Scorcho. Nice. And he found we've worked together previously, like in other worlds. Um, but he found the he found the podcast and like started picking my brain about. RPA and I actually like he he rented it from me for a gig and um just wanted to have a couple other follow-up questions about inner monitoring and what you know what my thoughts are on things and that kind of thing so um it's been very it's been cool to see like the local community kind of like figure out that this is a resource and and start to lean into it that's cool hey and I you... think at some point if we sorry go ahead no, go, go ahead, ahead. Uh, we just had a question about renting the PA and in ears. Um, yeah. When you rent the PA, do you rent the in-ear transmitter and body packs? Do you do all that? Yep. Huh. That's great. Yeah. So we, we rent it as a package and that package does include a human being to run it. Aha. So it, it, it is, it, it is what I would consider a premium yeah. rental. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that we, we rent our full PA out, including an engineer for a fee. And in-ears, but probably not the actual in-ears themselves that no you you have to bring your own your own headphones but yeah monitors yeah we're not savages (laughs) well i don't know there are ways they they can be so easily gotten at at, at any price point so that's true you know mine disintegrated during the show this last week um oh you know it's funny you mentioned that um i had the same situation happen on sunday i i brought my general in-ears and i went to go put them in and the foam just like disintegrated around me i had to use a loaner pair which is like, you know, the well, cone of shame. On my right one, the backing fell off of the case. And then by the end of the ah. night, the wires had come disconnected. It was just completely loose and broken. <laughs> so I think my breakage, my breakage trumps yours just a bit. But it's uh, from uh, innergear.com. So the, he's taken care of me before when there have been issues. So I have faith. Okay. No worries. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so short of Braxton giving me a phone call. Um, we have also, we're still getting inquiries from, um, from the website, from the blog itself. How about that? And I wanted, I wanted to, uh, to bring this topic up, uh, because I think it's something that we really haven't touched on. Um, so one thing that we, we 
I guess we gloss over it because we feel like it's a given, but like in order for you to be successful in this realm, there's a certain level of capability, talent, whatever you want to call it. That's a barrier of entry. And so we don't really discuss it, but I think that, um, you know, where we are in this particular realm doesn't necessarily represent where everybody is. Sure. So um, our friend Dan Grayson reached out to us um, earlier this week with a question, and um, I thought we should discuss it. And um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and read his message right now and um, get your two cents, and I'll give my two cents as well. So here we go. Hey, guys. Great shows y'all put up. I'm learning tons. I've got a myriad of questions, but I'm trying to wait and listen through the series to see if they're answered before I ask. I got one question I'd like to get some feedback on. I'm a little older, parentheses, 40. <laughs> We're all old. Um, and started, actually, my <laughs> says, birthday's tomorrow. Says the youngin. <laughs> right. Wait, what are you turning? And started, uh, I will be 38. 38. I think. I remember 38. Yeah, 38. Um, anyway, back to our question. I'm a little older, 40. Yeah, he's, he's 40. Like everybody who listens to this and started playing bass about a year ago. So he's, he's just getting going. Yeah. I don't suck anymore, but I'm no virtuoso and I've got myself in a little nineties covers dad band. Shout out to dad bands. We have some simple ass songs and a few more slightly complicated songs from groups like stone temple pilots. And he wrote red hot gold peppers. Um, I'm assuming he meant Red Hot Chili Peppers and Incubus. I'm following a few online bass courses, Ariana Cap and Mark Smith at Talking Bass, and get most of our songs' music from Ultimate Guitar. So he's looking up bass lines and stuff online and yep. learning them that way. Yep. Between that and like lessons. I can't slap yet, just started to tackle that, but I've got decent timing and plucking and fretting technique is coming along pretty nicely. This got a little long winded. It's okay, Dan. We forgive you. No worries. My bad, he says. No big deal. My question is this. What ratio of training versus song learning should I employ? Mm. Parentheses, theory, technique, chord tones, etc. versus learning the proper notes in our songs. Is there an episode that covers this? Thanks for all that you do. There's the not, answer is no, there's not an episode, that covers, not an episode that covers this, but there will be in approximately be. 27 minutes. That's right. Sorry. So here we go. Um, I've got my own take on this, but I'd love to hear your take, Dan. What do you say? So um, here's the thing. I, it's been um, uh, one thing that's not clear to me from this question is whether bass is his first instrument. Um, it, yes, it is not clear. Uh, let's let's um, assume that it is. Okay. Um, yeah. It's hard. It's. I will admit it's a little hard for me to put myself there. I was playing piano when I was five. Um, so. It was a long time ago I learned my first instrument, but I certainly do know the um, the work it takes to develop skill on a new instrument because I've changed instruments a few times in my life or focused on one versus the other and changed focus and things like that. Um, the best thing that the guitar teacher that I studied with for many years when I was a teenager did was he balanced really well the theory and technique work that we were doing with the song learning that we were doing and pretty much let me lead on song choices. Um, if he didn't already have a lead sheet for it in his filing cabinet of massive, mass, you know, massive numbers of lead sheets, um, 
I'd bring in a recording and we'd sit down together and we'd figure it out by ear, um, which was also yeah. great training, fantastic ear training. Um, but I think that some good solid percentage, more, you know, more than a quarter, maybe as much as a half of what you do ought to be song learning. And, and that's because, uh, songs follow the rules of songs and, uh, except when they don't, and then they're interesting and you figure that out. Um, yep. the, the thing you're going to be doing is playing songs. So you should probably practice playing songs. Um, yes. The, uh, I'm not a bassist. I know that really high end bassists do have as much emphasis on, um, physical technique as really high end guitarists do. I will tell you at the level that I play at, I'm not as interested in that. I don't spend nearly as much time, you know, I don't drill scales. Um, I sometimes set up a backing track in some mode that I'm needing to, you know, feeling like I want to get myself around and, and noodle over it and get my hands around the sounds of a mode. Um, but at the, at, you know, at the, at the level that I'm at, which is not, you know, in terms of musicianship, I'm, I'm competent. Um, the election in the newspaper this year, notwithstanding. Um, and, um, and there've been times, even as a, gigging musician just in the last few years i have felt like it was in a rut and i found a teacher and put myself in lessons for three months um and that made a huge sure. difference you know and, and the, <laughs> the last guy i did that with was a huge metalhead he was making me learn like the you know all kinds of crazy you know metal scales and stuff that that i i'm never going to play those at a gig but but being exposed to them was interesting being exposed to them expanded my thinking and that was great um mm-hmm. and i learned a lot of good stuff about um, that just kind of broke me out of, out of some ruts. Um, so I would say as you're learning an instrument, I think that the physical technique is really important. I think there are ways to approach an instrument that are physically, um, efficient and ways that are efficient, physically inefficient. Um, and it's important to learn that and understand that, you know, especially something as big and physical as the bass. Um, yeah, but I would not do that at the exclusion of, playing around you know you're playing you're not working bass you're playing bass so yeah um you gotta have it be also fun or else it becomes um just kind of drudgery and and um i think that's i think that's what i'd say about that so there's got to be a good balance and okay. um you know for me that balance is not strongly toward the technique stuff sure what do so, you think so um yeah as a i was a guitar player who played bass um when I was in college, it just made more sense. Uh, I was surrounded by guitar players and there were, there was a need for bass players. So, um, I took what I learned in guitar and started playing bass. Um, what I found as a, as a convert was that playing bass, if you know your rudimentary scales and stuff meant that you could basically play a guitar solo over the whole freaking song. Um, which as a creative person is a lot of fun, but isn't going to get you necessarily the work you're looking for uh, if you were trying to play covers. Um, that being said, um, when I when I was teaching, I didn't spend a lot of time working with uh, my students on theory and technique um, because it's hard to, like you said, it's hard to keep focus um, if someone's just getting started and they're wanting to onboard some skills and just kind of get some momentum behind them. 
um, it is really useful to let the songs be the teacher. Mm-hmm. Because what you will find is that in learning in learning the process of playing these songs, you will learn fundamentals of music theory and technique. Um, you'll learn things like counterpoint, and you'll learn things like chord relation and harmony and stuff just based on the fact that you those things are happening whether you're aware of them or not. Yep. So um, my take would be learn the songs and learn them well, uh, but try and take an opportunity if you can to um, look at what you're playing and figure out the why behind the how. I don't think they're necessarily a hundred percent correlated or necessary, but I think if you're wanting to learn and you're wanting to evolve as a musician, uh, that would be super helpful. Yep. You know, I think, um, the, the few times that I have taught guitar and I never did it professionally, I just, you know, casually taught people some, some stuff. Um, I would teach three chords with the intention of getting them to play through some song, you know, some simple, You know, I remember the very first guitar lesson I ever took. I was playing Margaritaville by the end of that hour. Um, there you go. Because I learned the A and the E and the D that that takes. Um, I was bad at it. I was not at, you know, in time or at tempo, but it was a song and I had accomplished yep. something in terms of playing guitar. So, yeah, I think that's really important. I think I think all of it needs to be aimed toward something musical and, you know, yeah. scale drills just are not musical. So I learned this from my um my guitar teacher Eddie. Um he Wait. He said a Wait, that Eddie? Not that Eddie. Oh. No. No. Yeah. Uh he is he is however a superhuman guitar player. Cool. Um he I don't think he he probably doesn't listen, but yeah, he he was one of those guys that um just was he he understands guitar at a level that I don't mm. comprehend. Yeah. Just a piece of just just some context. Um he worked with Tosin Abasi. Like he gave Tosin Abasi lessons. Wow. Yeah. And so listen, and there, that's there are where players he's coming from. at that level whose playing is very, very, very technical, and that's what they're about. Yep. Who literally have to do those drills daily in order to keep their chops up. Of course. Right. Um but the 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 this was what he, he made me do this and I made all of my students do this when I was teaching full time. Um, he made me learn all of the chords, major and minor. So a minor through G minor and a major through G major. And once I could do those on command, he bought me a set of strings. So that was kind of like the reward <laughs> for learning that stuff. And then you had a fresh set of strings to play on. And then he was like, all right, let's start learning songs. Because if you know all your majors and your minors, odds are you can play probably 60 to 70% of the stuff you're looking to play. Sure. And then what that gives you the opportunity to do is if you're in a song and you're playing major and minor chords and maybe there's a seven chord, you have that opportunity to go, okay, so this is a little bit different and here's how you play it and here's why you would play it. Yep. yep. So yep. by doing that and by... By by learning songs, you actually end up stumbling into concepts and theories that you will end up using, but you're 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 implementing in a in a like a functional way. Because you could you could walk in and like spend an hour talking about seven chords, 
Sure. But like without actually playing them in a song and going, oh, so if I do this, this creates tension and then it resolves itself with the following chord. People can hear that and and you have a, um, you know, it's like relevant experience. Yeah, there's a context so, to put it in. Yep. Yep. So my take is learn the songs and, and you'll accidentally learn other things. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Now it is helpful to have a teacher um, give you the names for those other things. Sure. Right. So that you can talk and, sensibly um, to other musicians. Yeah. Like when I was in, um, I was probably in high school or maybe I, maybe I'd just gotten out of college. I was home for the summer. Um, I did start taking guitar lessons again from a guy and, Cause I was like, can you explain to me what modes, what mm-hmm. modes is, yep. what modes do? Yeah. I think we've all had that conversation. <laughs> and he was basically like, so it's literally the same scale because there's only so many notes in a scale. It's just what degree does it start on and what degree does it end on? And then you're like, oh, I think this is helpful because inevitably you, you end up, most people end up working in like two modes. Three oh, yeah. or four, maybe oh, yeah. if you're yeah. if you're there in are two, a particular. There, there really are like two or three big ones. I have a whole rant I do about the reason, the musical theory purpose of modes, but we won't do that now. We'll see if there's any demand for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there will be, or we'll there, maybe there will out. be, and I'll let we'll you host out. that one by yourself yeah. while I sleep. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Actually, I have a way of explaining modes so that it completely makes sense why they exist, and it does not take a whole long time to explain. So, if anyone's interested, hit us up at coverbandconfidential at gmail dot com. Yes. And there's plenty of nerdy stuff going on right now because of Hurricane Dorian. There's been a lot of like Lydian and Locrian jokes uh, going around the interwebs. So lame. Hey, uh, yeah. speaking speaking of uh, changes in topic, which I can hear we're doing, yep. let's pause and do this. Chauvet DJ is the brand of entertainment lighting that literally puts your band in the spotlight. Your band's stage presence and image are critical to your success. Chauvet DJ lighting can add visual energy to attract crowds and set your band apart from the competition. Adding lighting to your gigs not only helps the audience see who's rocking, but bands who have even basic lighting have been perceived to actually sound better. Chauvet DJ makes lighting easy with systems that can be set up and torn down in a matter of seconds. From subtle color washes and fades to high energy strobes and chases, Chauvet DJ makes lighting control just as easy. Chauvet DJ's LED products have multiple control options, including auto programs and sound activation modes, wireless foot switches, perfect for guitarists, and remote control options. Chauvet DJ's innovative Bluetooth wireless technology lighting products can be controlled right from a phone or tablet with no additional hardware needed using the free BT Air app available for both Apple and Android devices. Chauvet DJ Gear also has conventional DMX inputs and outputs for more advanced programming options. Learn more at ChauvetDJ.com. Don't just rock. Rock in the spotlight with Chauvet DJ. All right, we're back. Ta-da. Yes. So, um, um, what are your what are your thoughts on acoustic duos? Um, as a person who's participated in an acoustic duo, I'm for them. Yeah, good answer. Around this town, um. In the last few months, two or three really prominent uh, players in the scene who do both band and mm-hmm. acoustic stuff have picked up with a chick singer. Men have picked up with a chick yes. singer and formed a duo act. Um, and they appear to be killing it out there. And so um, yeah. I've just been aware of that. I haven't been doing anything to 
you know, compare myself to that necessarily. Um, and then abundance last week, mindset. abundance mindset, always, always, always. Uh, <laughs> and then last week, um, this young woman named Taylor, who I've played with in Viva La Marte, she's their fiddler and singer, mm-hmm. uh, reached out to say, how about if we start something, have a project? I can, you know, book us in this place where I wait tables. And um, so uh, we got together once and had a great time and um, probably going to keep doing it. I'm going to bring her to my acoustic show on Friday to do four or five tunes that we ran through. And um, so yet another, yet another new project. It's a smart move. I mean, Amber and I do uh acoustic duo when the need arises. Right. Um, and it, it does work well and you can theoretically make money because you've got twice as many people. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's definitely worth pursuing if you can find the right partner and you have good chemistry with that person and um, just musically, um, it, it definitely opens up some possibilities. Yeah. More so than just you by yourself. So. Yeah. 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 And, you know, having a fiddle in my acoustic shows can be interesting. Yeah. I mean, that that's the other thing is like, you know, it's one thing to have a vocalist, um, but having an additional um, instru- instrumentalist would be huge. Yeah. Uh, it could really make Wagon Wheel. Oh, pop. Wagon Wheel can do. (laughs) Well, now you can do it with the, with the solo breaks. So yeah, that's crazy. Yes. That's insane. That's going to be. No, I mean, I I think uh, if you can get a, just a solid promo video together, you can, you'll be able to print money with that one. For sure. Especially around here. Wagon Wheel is a very, uh, still a local favorite here in North Carolina. What is, I'm sorry. I don't get like, I like that song. I still like it. Well, I, no, I don't even wait for people to ask. I play, I play it before people ask because I actually like playing it. Well, um, so do I, and I, um, um, it's the it's it's Wonderwall effect, right? Um, it, it, you know, which is also earlier known as the Mustang Sally effect, where it's just like a really really great song, and everybody just plays the heck out of it, and then are sick of it. I think that's all that's happening with Wagon Wheel. It's just overplayed, um, and the heat hasn't come off that yet. I think the heat has come off that for Wonderwall. I actually really have had great responses from rooms as I played Wonderwall. Um, but I think Wagon Wheel is still a little, still a little toasty from being overplayed. I don't know. You get a lot know. of uptake on it when you play it. Rooms, yeah, I mean, rooms I, sing along. I, I don't ever get. Yeah, of course. I typically put it in. I put it in the um, in the set kind of early. Just because I know it's one of those things that I can I can easily get people on my side about, because uh-huh. everybody knows that song, um, and I've got the you know the TC pedal that gives me the vocal trio right. during the chorus that sounds real full and right. it just it's an easy song to play and it sounds good, and I think yeah so yeah I still do it yep yep. Yeah, I think it's I think it's valid. I th- I think um I think a lot of songs get grief for um for that reason for having been too popular and um it's a bummer because the crowd that you're playing to doesn't know that you and your musical colleagues have played it a thousand times in the last year. They just they they are listening to it and they're enjoying it. And so Yeah, and more importantly, they don't care. Exactly. Yeah, it's not yeah. They actually you know, on they, their end if they hear if they hear Wagon Wheel once a week when they go out to dinner, like they're happy with that. Sure. And you're making them happy. Yeah. 
And it used to be that they heard Wagon Wheel on the radio five times a day, and maybe that was a little much. But now it's down to once a week. So yep. God bless. Yeah, I mean, I um, I do some some top 40 stuff that pro- isn't on the radio anymore um, that I just think are good songs. Like one of the ones that I do a lot is Rude by Magic. Mm. Do you even remember that song? Um, is that kind of like reggae tune? I mean, I remember of it. <laughs> I yeah. couldn't hum it. Right. <laughs> But it's one of those songs that people remember, and it was it was a big hit when it came out, and um, you know it, it's I, I like those opportunities to like pull a song out that people haven't heard in a while. Oh yeah, um, but still think fondly of because it's been you know two, three, four years since they've really heard a lot, heard it a lot. So, but I'm also I've started going way way back. I like stuff in the fifties and sixties, doing like oldies. Um, one because they're easy to play. And uh, two, because everybody knows them. Sure. Sure. I have started so, reaching back to some Frankie of Valley the, the Four Seasons. And, oh, yeah. 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 Rock Around the Clock is fun. Um, yep. Run Around Sue is fun. Um, <laughs> I have been reaching back to- I feel conflicted about that song. I love that song. Yeah. But it's it's problematic. Oh, it doesn't hold it, up it well. It just is. No. Yeah. No. It's, it's, a, it's no. certainly a product of its time. Slut shaming and all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, that is exactly what that song is about. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I setting that aside, I have been I've been um, digging into the older, pretty, pretty era of Beatles. Um, mm-hmm. if I fell, and um, <sighs> help. Um, uh, anyway, the older, older, you know, um, still very interesting compositionally. You know, the intro to "If I If I Fell" is all chromatic and strange, and you know, yeah, <laughs> who who did that? Well, John and Paul did that. Well, they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. I saw her standing there, and I do. Yeah, we in did. my life, I do. You know, kind of the 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 older older stuff. Yep. Cause it's just, it's the instrumentation kind of works for it. So it fits better. Now I also do an acoustic day in the life, which is pretty yeah. killer. You, we, we have, we've discussed that on the, yeah. on previous episodes, yeah. I believe. Yeah. It's pretty killer. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. And yeah, that's the other thing that's kind of interesting about that is, um, because of, uh, yesterday, all that stuff's kind of coming back. Totally. So, Totally. So yeah, I think I think right you'll, now you'll you, see kids who want to hear Beatles. Yeah, you got to be playing some Beatles right now. That movie is huge right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you learned Old Town Road yet? <laughs> no, and I'm kind of resisting it. <sighs> I learned it for my kid, and um, I've never not needed to know it because inevitably some kid will come up. Yeah. And want to hear it. Yeah. And then what I do. As I go, well, I don't know the words. Can you sing it? Oh. And um, yeah. And then you Clever. hand a microphone to an eight-year-old who gets to sing a song. Yep. And whose parents tip big. So, yep. Done that a couple of times. Um, anytime I, if there's a there's a kid who sings, I will make them sing. Sure. Or ask them to Sure. Sing. You know, the other thing that I have done is played songs that were covered in the movie Sing. Which is, yep. um, you know, features a lot of singing animals. So I have done, I'm still standing and I've done, um, I did the, the one original in it is the song that the little porcupine girl sings. And I've, I have covered that yeah. for a five-year-old who was 
thrilled about it. Um, so fun fact about Singh is that the uh, the gentleman who played the gorilla who sings I'm Still Standing yep. is a guy named Taron. Yep. And he is also the same actor who played Elton John in Rocket Man. Correct. He's amazing. He's also Eggsy in The Kingsman, which is really right. the only thing that matters. That's right. Well, that was that is true. That was an amazing couple of films. Yeah. I I they can make as many Kingsman movies as they want. I just want to I, I want to see what happens in that universe. As long as there is a massive brawl scene set to Freebird, I'm happy. 100%. That's all I need. It's all I need in that whole, 100. whole franchise. And it's delivered it yep. once and I will see it again. If they remade that shot for shot, I would pay to watch it again. Glorious. 100%. Glorious. Yeah. No no argument. Yeah. Well, good stuff, man. Yeah, man. I think, you know, there wasn't a, a whole lot of meat. There's lots of little little meatlets. There were like meatballs. For us to discuss. Yep. Meatballs. Um, so we were supposed to have an interview um, scheduled this week, and um, my friend has some scheduling issues. Uh, and when we actually get around to talking to him, you will understand why. <laughs> um, but... We're still looking to do that, and we've got a couple of cool ideas for some uh, conversations coming up. And you are always welcome to ask us questions and um, bring stuff to the table for us to discuss on weekly episodes. We love to hear from you. So hit us up on any of the channels that we have available. Um, We would love to hear back from you. Any uh, parting thoughts? Um, No. Fantastic. (laughs) I can always count on you. I come through in a clutch. That's what happens. Absolutely. Well, if that's the case, then I will call it for this week. From Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. From Greensboro, North Carolina, Dan Ray. You have been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, episode 66. Have a great week.